0: You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett, recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church, God's House of Prayer, located in Fairborn, Ohio. Open your Bibles and stand with me then. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to pick up kind of where we left off. be in verse um, 19. It says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send me to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you anoint me to preach a message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand, draws closer to one another. As you draws closer to yourself, and we'll never fail to give you the praise, in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So last week we started in this text, and uh, the main question this morning is: What have you done about it? What have you, uh, what action have you taken during the summer months? Everybody knows that I love to plant a garden. watch the beans grow up and uh, tomatoes and really uh, I don't love to garden I love to eat stuff from the garden right that's my that's where my true love is I love to eat stuff from the garden and that requires a little bit of work during the summer Uh, I often joke and say that uh, granny's going to cause me to do some kind of work all summer so we might as well work at something we can eat right a couple of weeks ago i was able to sit down uh, granny keeps all of our canned green beans and they're on a time relief system you can't just go and get them when you want them uh, you have to wait for special occasion, special um, permission you have to have some request forms filled out signed in advance that sort of thing but a couple weeks ago, I was able to, I was able to eat some, and they were phenomenal, right? They were good. It was what it was the end of that process, right? It was that reward and that um, that I had been looking to pre- pretty much most of the year. Now, when God writes the Word of God, when He writes the Bible to us, so that we can understand, there's a lot of those. Uh, analogies and parables in there about the harvest and uh, things that we can understand. And for that reason, I think every Christian should have some kind of plant or garden just so you get the process and you can understand the Word of God a little deeper. Over and over again, God talks about uh, the harvest. Now, we as humans understand that there's also another side to that, and that's what we're reading through in the book of Luke here, uh, where hell is a very real place. It's a very permanent place. Uh, The Bible goes as as much to say specifically that there's no exit from hell as others teach. Now, uh, we don't run into that as much as some people do, that teaching, but it's very permanent. Uh, It's not fun. The, The Bible uses the phrase here, for I am tormented in this flame. I am tormented in this flame, and the person... That's there in hell, and in this, it's the, it's the rich man from um, Lazarus' life that they focus on. But that person, like I said last week, only wants two things, God's mercy and evangelism. Now, you and I can't give God's mercy, right? That's not on, on our purview to do. However, evangelism certainly is. So the action that you can take and the action that you should start thinking about as the harvest that you should start preparing for is done through evangelism. Now, while I was sitting there eating those green beans a couple weeks ago, um, I didn't think about the bugs and the sun and the heat from the work in the garden, right? Everything was worth it at that point. And that's how we should view uh, heaven, right? There's a reward and everything will be worth it at that point. Whatever it takes to get evangelism out, it will be worth it. And we can see that here. It's the only thing, or it's one of the, the two things that uh, the rich man asks for when he, is heaven, when, he, when he is in hell. That somebody go and tell his family. And we are that somebody at this yeah. point. We are that somebody. Now, when we arrive to our families or somebody else's family or somebody who lives down the street or whatever the case may be, our message should be clear and our message should be very plain. Right? The Bible and we as God's people don't communicate a message that a person needs to be better. Right? We don't tell them they need to clean up their life. Uh, We don't talk about actions and hobbies uh, and, and pet projects, and don't listen to this music, listen to this, and you should vote this way and not that way. All that stuff doesn't matter. The Bible says very plainly, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And and it goes on to say, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? This... Um, Change that we're talking of is not simply a change of action or a superficial change. It's a rebirth. The Bible talks about being born again, right? Our family, our friends, people that don't know God, that are lost and undone in a very, very uncertain world, need to know that there is a Savior available to them, that it's not a work that they can do themselves, that Christ came and died on Calvary for them that they might have life and have it more abundantly. They need to be born again. And that's true of everyone. right? There's no class. There's no uh, pre-described notion. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. See, our idea of righteousness and our idea of good living and uh, doing good is, is filthy rags, the Bible says, to the Lord. And this price that's paid for eternal life, well, they're, they're, let's go back to Romans there in chapter 6. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the verse where you really start to be, begin to start to understand what heaven and hell really is right it's not an idea that you earn your way there but the reality of how we live our life causes results that echo through eternity heaven is not a place for people that wish to avoid hell heaven is a place for people that love the lord right God doesn't send people to hell simply because he does not like them or to punish them. People choose to live without God in their lives here, and then they live without God or God's blessings or provisions throughout eternity in a place called hell. It certainly is not a desirable outcome. I don't want you to think that. I don't want you to uh, fall into that thinking that that hell is somehow... Uh, not hot, or somehow pleasant, or somehow there's a party going on. All that stuff is simply not true. So what the Bible teaches over and over again is that this price uh, can be paid by you with an eternity in hell, or you can accept the price that Christ paid for your sin, Right? that Jesus paid the debt. In Romans chapter 5 it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful news? Isn't that an easier news to communicate to our families and to our friends? It has nothing to do about what you're watching, what you're um, reading, what you're listening to, what you're doing in your life, but it has everything to do with what you know and what you believe in, that Christ died for you, that a price has already been paid, that your life can be changed, that your circumstances can be changed, that there's hope and healing in what happened on Calvary. In Romans chapter ten, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believe on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that wonderful news? Do you know that that's the gospel message? That Christ died for you and all you need to do is believe in him and you will be saved. Now, of course, we know that there's changes that take place after salvation, right? It's simply not a, a um, I don't want to say, I wanna, it's simply just not a public confession. It, it's a confession and a belief in the heart, so much so that it causes change in your life. Now, what those changes are, you and I don't know. Right? I can't tell you what your growth in Christ will look like. That's up to God. What you how we end up is, is absolutely up to God. It's not part of my responsibility to decide. John chapter eight, the Bible says, Then Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, Then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Going on in John, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now that is one of the hard, it sounds like one of the easiest, but For me personally, if I'm confessing here, that's one of the hardest. It's easy for us to love people that are like us, right? It's difficult to love people that are not like us. As we stand here together in this room, just about all of us have the same, um, what I'll call, cultural heritage, right? This reminds uh, people of a church, a little church in Kentucky, because it kind of is a little church in Kentucky. It's just located in Fairborn, for right now, right? But we're all kind of the same in that way, so it's easy for us to love one another, but the gospel calls for that love to be much more abundant, that we love all people, especially uh, one another, that uh, of all faiths, or I'm sorry, of all cultures, uh, those things Uh, melt away in the gospel message, that we're all one in Christ Jesus. After the service today, Brother Isaac and a trustee from their congregation will come up, and we will once again sign over the building uh, to them. The last one, we had a little trouble with how the uh, deed was typed up, but we've corrected it, and we'll sign it again. Uh, And those folks are just as much a part of what we're doing, of who we are, as anybody, as, as we are. I don't know if you guys think in those terms. Uh, but when we get to heaven, they'll be there. Right? We won't be the only ones. I can promise you that. In Romans chapter 12. One of the best, or one of my favorite verses. Uh, there in chapter 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye Transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's growth in Christ. We're not the same today as we were when we were first saved. And if you are, you need to pray. You need to get in your Bible and read. And you need to make some relationships within the church. Right? There has to be growth in Christ. It's part of salvation. I'll leave you this morning with one of my favorite quotes about the church. Of course, it's not scripture. It's quoted by Charles Spurgeon. He said it in 1891 at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England. He says, The church is not an institution for perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, who, though they are saved, are still sinners and need all the help They can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for Christ's weak children. Where they are nourished and grow strong, it is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. It is the dearest place on earth. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. I love that quote. Uh, The church and its unity and its people... Uh, and its work is ever so important especially in times such as we see especially in times uh, like we're viewing on the devices and screens now that you and I as God's people start to start to harvest we have at this point no other options but to begin to harvest right if we want the reward that comes later on of dwelling with God for eternity in a place called heaven, you and I have work to do, right? You and I have a crop to get in. Uh, now, the wonderful part of that is that God does most of the heavy lifting for us, right? Yeah. All we have to do is just open our mouths, basically, and start to talk, put a little effort in, and I know that the Lord will bless it. He'll go before us. He'll make a way. Uh, But we have to be ready to be used in, in that fashion. Sister Diane, will you come up?